0: everyone welcome to this week's episode of behind the screen um we do not have our penmaster with us this week so it will be audio only that being said uh Cameron will be facilitating and asking questions and we have Invader here with us today um you've been on behind the screen before right Invader
1: yes the f- first one i believe awesome so
0: you know how this works perfect
1: uh i mean random nonsense to intro myself insert here
0: you know that works uh whatever we want to do um cam why don't you take us away
2: okay so the first question how do you encourage role play as a player or gm
0: well as um. as a gm it's easy because you throw npcs into the world and you know they ask questions they do things um that require interaction with them uh, and whether it's flat out role play of you're actually having the conversation or it's a well my character would do this or my character would say this um i kind of feel like they're the same thing what about you uh, invader as as a player how do you
1: i always look for role play in campaigns because i like character interaction. So the way I encourage, like other players, is I just say, social anxiety be damned you you were a performer in high school, start acting like it, and slap myself metaphorically, and I just say something that would be an easy sequitur for a for some for another player to interact with
2: Be it. That makes uh,
1: sense be it um, Patch constantly calling Leah Shorty, um, trying to prank Alexandria. I-, I try to do things that would make a player think, okay, how can I interact with this?
0: Definitely, definitely, yeah. I, I think one of the fun moments for that was as uh, Kenku. Most people tend to forget that Kanku's first skill is mimicry. Um, the words I have are not my words. So for her to perfectly mimic somebody else kind of gave everybody else chances to jump in and say things as well.
1: I gotta say, in that one episode, you did a perfect impression of it. Like, guys, listen back to the episode. So Amber did a perfect impression of me.
0: I didn't think I could sound any more like you than that.
1: Honestly, and, and like your mic quality randomly like changed in
0: the middle of it. And my voice got way deeper. Like I don't, I don't know how I pulled it off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the next question I am going to ask you, lovelies, uh, how do you keep things moving forward during a game? I think we all struggle with
0: this one. I I think for me, it's, again, looking for opportunities during play for things to happen. And sometimes if things start going quiet or nobody's really doing anything, I'll just say, fuck it, I'm going to do this one thing, even if it's not the right thing to do, or even if I know it's a really bad idea honestly, if I know it's a really bad idea, all the better because it suddenly gets everybody involved trying to stop me.
1: I'm the same way. I, I basically have the, if I start hearing, like, dead air happen, I'm like, like I just insert the Moon Knight comic random bullshit go and I try to do something incredibly stupid. Um, That's kind of also the reason why in every session I start it all i whenever like zane's like would you guys like to introduce yourselves i say something like majorly out of pocket because nothing gets the energy flowing like a good laugh
0: there is definitely that um i i find that i for those moments i've uh swayed more towards i have started grabbing random languages and saying hi or bye in them um but part of that is me as a person. I tend to be an intellectual and a linguist. So it's just a stupid thing I do that doesn't take a lot of brain power that early in the morning. Because, well, for me on the West Coast, we do record stupid early.
1: <laughs> Same here on the East Coast. Um, I try to do some, much like you know, my random mouse readers, I try to do something that will get people laughing. Like, uh, this one time we were having dead air in, like, a campaign I was a part of, and I'm like, okay, dead air in this party setting, how can I do this? Um, well, my character hates royals, and that royal is the king from his old country that screwed him over. I'm gonna try to pants him.
0: (laughs) Oh, that is awesome!
1: I'm gonna try to pants him and then steal his crown during this massive party. Whilst he's making an announcement to everyone on stage,
0: oh my god, please tell me you succeeded. I succeeded 100%. That is amazing.
1: And hell, I even got like one of my friends to join in to help distract him while I snuck up behind him and pants him. <laughs>
0: those are those are some of the best moments i think when you can get other people involved in shenanigans that don't really have anything to do with the storyline but keep the game moving regardless it, it also helps build uh it
1: also helps build like uh the chemistry between your fellow players because i've because like at, in my years i've noticed the better chemistry you have <laughs> with a player the better the role play is
0: Definitely, even if it's the type of thing where your two characters hate each other. um, It's still a type of chemistry, and it's still something that's constantly going to give you something to work off of. Um, I know the game I'm playing in right now, there's this one NPC that our cleric absolutely despises. And yet, my druid absolutely loves the NPC. So every time the name comes up, my druid is like waxing poetic. And the clerics over in the corner just muttering about fucking Nagor.
1: (laughs) It reminds me of, of like, a campaign I was a part of where I played a chaotic evil scientist. And I was in a campaign with a lawful good paladin. Oh, no. (laughs) The lawful good paladin hated him. And the chaotic evil scientist loved to fucking get him pissed off.
0: I mean, yeah, that's that's kind uh, of your whole point is uh, chaotic.
1: <laughs> Any chance I got to interact with him, I would call him like degrading nicknames. I would like get close to him and be like, What are you doing, Angel Boy? Good down there on the ground. I swear to God, Kelvin, if you don't shut up, I'm going to punch you. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> fun. Thank you. Nice,
0: Nice, nice. Uh... I think the best I can do is my, my characters have a tendency to adopt NPCs. A lot of NPCs. As a matter of fact, I made a friend with a giant last night. Oh. Yep. Me? Hugged her in
2: everything. Even gave her one of my feathers before I left. Uh my character phone you also once adopted an imp. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, Uh, Percy. Yes. Named after the worst Weasley. Uh, Which is a
3: crazy story in of itself, which is a perfect segue to the next question. Tell me about your craziest story in the game.
1: Amber, I'll let you take this one first. (laughs)
0: there are there are so many so i told one of them in another episode about uh this freshman we were playing with that managed to turn himself into a dragon he was a lawful good paladin who decided he was going to pray to a pile of orc blood to turn into a dragon Ah. the rest of the players had a problem with it unfortunately the game was being run by a teacher
2: Uh, and there are certain
0: rules when you are a teacher running a club. <laughs> um, so that's one of them. Oh, oh, there's so uh, we used to do this thing. My old high school group, um, we would. And this was the few years after high school uh, ended. We would on New Year's Eve get together and we would play d d all night. And it was always a one shot. And this one year we were High on caffeine and sugar. Only caffeine and sugar. None of us drank at that point in time, surprisingly enough, for a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds. Um and somehow we ended up with a horse and we had
2: to travel through the desert.
0: And we had bought the horse, the horse didn't have a name when we bought the horse. So (laughs) the GM looks at me and says, okay. What are you going to name the horse? My automatic response was I'm not naming the horse.
2: We are riding through the desert on a horse with no name. <laughs> yeah. 20 years later, that joke still sticks. I'm try- I'm trying to think because like
1: I I, I feel like I told it on it on an episode about like the Kraken story.
2: <coughs> um, if I
1: did, apologies for repeating myself because that's the one I definitely go to. So my party was on a boat and like we were sailing and we came across some rough waters and we we're like, should we like turn around and go to an alternate route? And it's like, no, this is the quickest route. We need to get to the city now. So we just kept going. And then we just felt our ship rumble and just start crashing. And it's like, the fuck is going on? Lo and behold, a giant kraken lumbers over our fucking, fucking boat pissed off that we disturbed its lair.
2: Oh no. So we're like,
1: oh shit, we're gonna have to fight that. So we did, we did like some combat with like the cannons and everything but my rogue was like
2: I would and I shall. So my rogue got to the edge of the boat and did his best impression of a bard. He, you know, every his party should back. have support characters. Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. Every party should have support characters. And he was certainly supporting in some way. I ain't even he if he's his head distracting. Back.
1: He flicked his hair back and was like, Ayo, yo, yo, tall, purple, and beautiful. How about I should use some real sea fun, if you know what I'm saying? He wiggles his <laughs> eyebrows. A fucking seven. <laughs> Rolls a seven. The cracking grabs onto him and pulls him close. And everyone was like, oh, fuck, that's not good. So everyone does their turn attacking the Kraken, and I decide, you know what? I'm entangled. I'm a waste a turn, and I'm going to try again. <coughs> so my DM told me that the Kraken couldn't
2: understand me. But there are more than one ways to flirt other than words. So you I did rolled. Not. I rolled nat 20
1: and I had like I think a 3 in like the thing I was rolling so I got like a 23 and I gave the the Flynn
2: rider smolder
0: that is amazing
1: and it worked I was pulled down into the sea depths and I had to roll roll the damage Brought down to 10 HP, but it was worth it. Especially if they leave the ship alone. They leave the ship alone, and we got an ally from it, because I got a really good performance roll on that, if you know what I'm saying.
0: God damn.
1: And, like, by the end of it, he was tossed back onto the ship in just his underwear.
2: And he was like, like, Bye, Francine,
1: I had a lovely time. Tell your mother I said hi.
0: Implying that they had
1: post-coital-like discussions.
0: Please tell me you got an inspiration point for that.
1: I think I did, but the best part, towards the end of the campaign, there was a war going on. We were surrounded by millions of ships. Guess who came back and destroyed a bunch of them, making it easier to go past? (laughs)
2: Francine comes right back and
0: destroys the ships for us! That is always awesome. Uh, he also impregnated that kraken,
1: and that he had a, another kid—a half tiefling, half kraken baby.
2: Oh Jesus! No,
1: and she a already had
2: kids. <laughs> uh, that, that is actually, definitely character. <laughs> that
3: that is up there, and uh, that actually brings me on to my next question very well. But just, what's your favorite thing about TTRPGs?
1: <laughs> I'm the Segway King, baby.
0: I I think, for me, my favorite thing about TTRPGs is you can literally be anyone or anything and do anything. You know, regardless of who you are as a person behind the screen or behind the dice, as this character, you can... Live this entirely different
2: life.
1: Same answer, actually. The fact that the TTRPGs are basically a power fantasy, and you could be whoever you want, want, and you know just do whatever you want. You could be the idealized version of yourself, or like do things you're always you're typically too scared to do. It's the best way things for things you...
2: that you can't do.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's the best way for you to feel when when one lacks control in their life or one feels like they really can't do anything, it's nice to feel like you can reach out and achieve something, even if it is just fantasy. It's still nice to imagine that you could be this strong, or this stealthy, or even this charming.
0: Definitely. I mean, as as a person, I mean, my charisma is stupid high regardless. We don't know why. Uh, in real life, I am an introvert, believe it or not. Um, most people who game with me would not believe it. I, I tend to be the character who goes and talks to everybody, gets the answers we need, Um still don't know how i get so stupid lucky asking the right person the right question every time um but you know as as an introvert in real life to find myself with a charisma score like that um in game i don't mind going up and talking to random people and having these discussions and whatnot in real life people come up to me and start talking about the most random shit and I'm just like, who are you and why are you talking to me? Um, matter of fact, Cameron's seen it in person. Like, we'll be sitting on the bus and all of a sudden this random person starts a conversation with me. Or, you know, just some random person on the street says something. Um, but also in real life, I am I am not a strong person. I am not at all a dexterous person. Um, I trip over my own two feet on a daily basis. It is a very rare day that I do not find any bruise from bumping into a wall, a door, a table, or whatnot. And yes, people, I really am bumping into walls, doors, tables, and everything because my partner is on the other side of the world and uh, would prevent me from doing so if he could.
2: <laughs> um, yes.
0: So to to be a person in-game where... I can dance, and I can fight, and I can do the acrobatic stuff, and also where I can do all of that stuff and not have to worry if it's going to be the thing that pushes me over to the edge of never being able to walk again, um, because unfortunately I am partially disabled. Uh, So being able to live that different life is really, I think at points in time, especially since my disability started... It has been a mental lifesaver.
2: Oh yeah, we have no a new
0: batch of questions coming our way. Yes, uh, but go ahead and continue. In Cam, a world, these ones are from In
1: a world divine, defined by fear, it's nice to go to a world, even if it's just for like an hour or two. Where you're not defined by the fears that hold you back. I have immense social anxiety and stage fright. I I might be loud, boisterous, and like loud and annoying on camera, everybody. But I'm complete opposite of that in in person. Like in person, I'm like, <laughs> I I wonder what it'd be like to fuck a squid. In life, I'm I'm real life. I'm just like, uh, yeah. Can I get that to go, please? Like, I'm the quietest I, motherfucker you'd meet in real life.
0: Um, I, I actually have my mic output boosted all the way, so you guys can actually hear me. Um, I am a very, very quiet person uh, in real life as well. <laughs> and if I can avoid social interaction, I will. <laughs> exactly.
2: Exactly it takes It takes all the strength I have to like
1: correct my order when someone gets my order wrong. It's like um, I actually asked for no no spinach. Um, it's fine. It's sorry
2: i'll just, I'll just pick it off.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely understand that, so it's nice to be able to. I, as a kid I always wanted to be funny I always wanted to make people smile because I kind of grew up without the excuse to smile much not going to delve deep into that just I didn't have much of a reason to smile I... so if I can make someone smile even just for a second it's kind of an achievement for me
0: definitely definitely um I I think that's one thing I've noticed about TTRPG gamers in general is we tend to in not entirely but I have met several people who have not come from the best backgrounds or who have gone through a lot um and you know it's it's definitely something um, I do as well. I go out of my way to make people's days better, make people smile. Um, one of the things I do is I craft. I crochet a lot. And I make these little crochet hearts. And it's not much. It takes me about two minutes to make one and scraps of yarn. So it's the stuff that's left over from other projects. Anyway, it beats me throwing it out. Um, and... Cameron has done this. Several of my friends do this uh, at this point. We stick them in a little Ziploc with a sticker and a card just saying, hey, this is for you. And they are currently spread all over the UK and the uh, US um, and even Canada at this point, I believe, just and the smiles on people's faces when they get these things, even though it. It's like $3 worth and me two minutes to make. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh,
2: and it the looks TNT like DL our penmaster stopped in to say trauma. hi. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes, it does sometimes. Um, but yeah, it looks like our penmaster stopped in to say hi.
2: Hello, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are y'all doing today? Doing okay. Just just chatting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we have a bunch more questions we can still pop through. <laughs> yep. So, the next question we have, we're going to combine it to
3: what, is, uh, and Emma, you've touched upon half of this
2: before. What is your worst and your best DD memory? Ooh. There are, there are a lot, um.
0: I I think for me they actually go part and parcel. Um we were in another episode talking to a guest and we were talking about how as a GM they they made both me and their partner cry several times in one episode or one session and it was it was a really really good session. Um but it was also one of those things where we lost several npcs who were like our characters are really attached to. Um so that was that was both good and difficult at the same time. Um and then another similar one and again same answer it's both one of the best and worst uh more ttrpg memories um than d specific. I in delta green one of the sessions I was playing, uh, my character has a handful of other players and characters that she's very attached to. And unfortunately she was put in a position where she basically either had to watch somebody kill her partner in front of her, or she can put him out of her misery on her her, uh, herself. And in her mind, there was, there was no two ways about it. If he's going to go down He's going to go fast and he's going to go at the hands of somebody who actually cares about him. Um, It was an absolutely amazing session. It was so much fun and so just something that really drags you in. Uh, But at the same time, it was a core thing for my character development. And I think I spent like half an hour after that game crying because I had to do that.
2: What about you guys? My worst memory
1: in D&D. I have so many, all stemming from the same person. <laughs>
2: That's never a good sign.
1: <laughs> um, so this was like, he was like a person who was part of the first campaign that was ever run. Little background, the way I got into D D was like my friend Spectra jokingly DMing a a little dumb one shot. But me, my friend Nyx, and my friend Church kinda got attached to the characters we were given and like the way we were fighting. So we just hey we just asked, Hey Spec, can we do this again tomorrow? And Speck was like, Yeah. And for like months we like kept doing that till we eventually made our character sheets. And that's how I got into D&D. Um, later on, my friend Nyx invited a friend of theirs. And his name... Let's call him Main Character Syndrome. Oh, no. Man, oh, man. They're the stories I could tell. From me witnessing and cringing at the stuff he did, to him doing stuff to me. Um, I could go on how he tried to force a romantic arc with a character, or on another player,
2: who clearly wasn't interested. Yeah, that's never cool. Never cool. Or, I could talk about
1: the next campaign I was a part of with him, where me, where my character Laxian, on a boat, and he was on there too. And there was this like demon half demon lady there. And like the guy had a conversation with her and saying he wants to prove his knight and train. And Laxian was there. Like he just walked in, like, Laxian, fight with me. And I was like and I, I as Laxian I was like, No. Because I didn't want to fight. <laughs> and he kept like going on and on. And I literally broke air just like, hey, I'm saying no. And he's like, no, come on, it'll be so fun. It's like if it's an optional combat and a player is saying, "No, I don't want to do this. This is your thing, not me." Then then no, I'm not going to fucking do it. But I was ultimately forced into it. The DM just did it to appease him and I wasn't told that we were allowed to use magic, so I had my my squishy Level three rogue land a punch on this fucking seven foot buff demon lady who is, who we later found out was the daughter of the sin of wrath.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So he got his shit molly and he got knocked out. And like throughout the whole campaign.
1: I was like salty that I got forced into that. Like I know I wasn't at risk of dying, but it was more salty that I didn't have the choice to just say no, even though I broke character and said no.
0: No, I, I will say it is the GM's responsibility if any player is not comfortable with something, to put a stop to it immediately. You know,
3: we it, kicked him out of that,
2: that campaign.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think we've all got stories from somebody with main character syndrome. Um, ours, unfortunately, it bled over into real life, which yeah. caused a lot of problems and almost destroyed the friend group. That's uh, never a good sign. Not somebody we have spoken to in over a year, however.
2: That's good, at least. What about you, Zane? You got any stories? So my best and worst campaign. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm
4: uh let's start with the worst. Um I guess this is a best and worst type of scenario. So essentially I was playing a homebrew campaign with a couple of my friends back in high school and it was my buddy's first time DMing and he decided to make a custom deck of many things for us to pull cards from oh no yeah and me being a level 3 bar- no it wasn't barbarian it was cleric it was a level 3 cleric I pulled a card and apparently it was the worst card in the deck I pulled <clears throat> Tiamat teleports to
2: your location is dead set on killing you Oh Ugh. no! Yeah. So,
4: essentially, it was probably the worst moment I've had in D and D for a while because, well, level three versus Tiamat, and everyone else just—you don't stand rammed. a chance. Yeah, everyone else just ran, but it was my best moment because I got to RP it. He gave me like ten minutes to RP it, and basically, I just started screaming at Tiamat. You can't kill me. Even if you kill me, I <laughs> even if you kill me, I'll come back to kill you. Shit. And uh,
2: essentially, when Tiamat incinerated me with the, with their breath weapon, I w-
4: decided to pray to my god, and my god was like, "You didn't deserve this. You get you'll get a second life, but not as you." So essentially. My soul took over a different character, so I was the same person, but I had a different, completely different character sheet. I went that from being a level really
2: cool.
4: Yeah, th- I went from being
2: a level three cleric to being a level four rogue. That's and then I went bad. from Went from a dwarf to a halfling. Same size, so that's at least. A, same size, at least, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was probably the best and worst they've had. All right, Cameron, what's next on that list of yours? Okay. Uh, what's one what piece of advice you'd give a new player or GM?
1: For a new player, For a new player, I would put I would like lean down, put my hand on the baby player's shoulder, and just say, "If another player or GM makes you uncomfortable, never be scared
2: to say no, no look, look at me, look at me.
1: I know. I know you're a people pleaser. <laughs> but never be scared to call someone out. This is a group thing if you're not having fun." and you're uncomfortable because of another player's actions, or a GM targeting you specifically in every session, call them out. And if the GM keeps up with that attitude, or if the GM doesn't kick out the player for making you and probably others uncomfortable, leave. If if they say, it'll ruin the campaign, let it. Don't care what they say, leave if you're uncomfortable and they do nothing about it.
0: Uh, Agreed. I was... uh friend of mine's kids uh, the older one is 12 and just maybe 13 now uh, starting high school um, and transitioning on top of it the poor thing um, and they wanted to get into D&D but they're the only female in the cl- presenting female in the club um, oh, that's that. that's so I, I sat down with her Uh, And I gave her advice Especially coming from me Who was in high school The only female in the club (laughs) Uh, So I very much understood Um, I also made sure she had Like a starter's kit She's got dice, she's got spare dice For that person who always forgets theirs She's got a Dice tray, dice bag The works I even made sure she had a figure Um, But uh, the the most important piece of advice i gave her was if you're not comfortable if you're not having fun it's okay to leave the table. you know and that goes for the gm too it's okay to put an end to the game if the players are making you uncomfortable and not listening when you say something about it. um but I, I think the most important piece of advice I've ever given a GM is it's not you versus the players. You're a player too, you just have a different role. Um, the, the role of the GM is to help tell a story based on the actions of the characters. That being said, because you are also playing the game, it's important that you're having fun too. And if you're not having fun, there's
2: no point in doing this. I think uh, my piece of advice would probably be just start. Don't let
4: don't let feedback, don't let your players' feedback mess you up, because you're just starting as a DM. So you just start. And If there's some negative things they have to say about it, as long as they're courteous about it and not being a total dick, take it in consideration. And just just start and work on it. Because let's be honest, you're not going to be amazing the first
2: time you DM. You got to do it and just improve. So that'd be my piece of advice. Just start. I can definitely agree with that. Agreed. All really good fits. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Have you ever experienced a TPK? Nope.
0: I, I have a couple of times. Um, matter of fact, just last week uh delta green i was playing in a campaign a friend of mine was running and i had kind of suspected it was going that way anyway um what nobody realized is that as the veteran player i had been pegged to play a role that was not what anybody else thought it was i was essentially a spy um so we got where we were going we achieved the objective and then out of nowhere my boss crops up Mind you, we're in the middle of the Vietnam jungle. The only people we've seen in the last week have been shooting at us. (coughs) So uh, I knew something was off. But I also knew that my best bet was to just go with it and hope we survive. Um, And unfortunately... By that point, two of the players had died. Uh, unbeknownst to me, a third one had just been shot in the head. And the two of us remaining were... Um, we were doing a spy's evacuation, which is basically you're dangling from a rope at the bottom of a helicopter. So we get up above the tree line, and something happens, and both of our ropes are cut. And thus ends the game because there was no way we were surviving a 500-foot fall.
2: I've never suffered a TPK, but I have suffered a near-TPK,
4: where only one player survived. Essentially, it was the final battle of a campaign we did, and we were all facing the a lich like that's not like that's unique or anything but uh yeah we were essentially trying to stop this lich from taking over the world yada yada
2: and it was a really hard fought battle my character was the
4: first to die and then it was two of my buddies the same turn they died and then my last, my second last buddy died like right before the last guy got the final hit in to kill
2: the lich. Finally got the phylactery because he had to break through uh, he had to break through a ward and he had
4: to roll every turn and we were basically protecting him from getting attacked while
2: he was breaking the ward to get to the, the phylactery. So. It was a Pyrrhic victory, but
4: that was the closest thing I've had to a TPK.
0: I I think if you play long enough, everybody's going to get at least a near TPK, if not a TPK.
4: Yeah, it's definitely. Just part of the game. That was my second campaign.
0: <laughs> I mean, one of one of the things I've learned is, you know, it's fun to get attached to your characters, especially if it's somebody you've played for a long period of time but always be prepared to lose them.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, why do you think I go out of a mentality when I do something stupid as Patch? It's like, if I die, I die, and I died for the lol!
0: And yet you have me saving your ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have for you basically. and Lear saving my ass to every fucking chance you get. <laughs>
2: Willers! <laughs> Oh, no, that episode's out. Oh, I thought you were talking about episode six. We were talking about the bandit camp. So. Look, I don't play to be badass. You haven't watched the episode.
3: Ah, oh, that's uh... settled. <laughs> Speaking of the Bandit Camp and Saving People, TPKs, what's your favorite monster? I
1: have a special love. I have a biased love towards bugbears because it was the first thing I ever fought in in any D&D ever. A a tiny special love because I have a memory... Of my first character trying to flirt with the bugbear and it working long enough to get a kill on for another player to get a kill on it. Not um, bad. but if we're talking about like a, a monster <laughs> that I like purely because I like its concept and design and stuff like that, beholders. I'm a fan of Eldric's monsters that look like that. I love beholders.
2: Holders are definitely
0: fun. Um, I think my favorite is a little more off the beaten path. Um, my favorite monster is actually a boneyard, which is a collection of bones made up from different creatures into a much, much larger skeletal creature. Uh, that basically contains the knowledge from all of those creatures. Um they are interesting to fight, and if you happen to befriend one, you can learn a lot.
2: I actually haven't thought on this before. What is my favorite? What is my favorite monster? I guess it would probably be. Hmm. I mean if we're talking about to throw up my players as a surprise. I I think to either
0: use or to fight. Um they are okay, both the fight very fight is a
2: lot easier. I do like to fight Drakes. Those are always a fun fight. And uh especially at lower levels. But I'd have to say my favorite monster would have to be a campion. They're uh a demonic
4: looking being that has some really fun special eff- has some really fun effects that can be used against your
2: players. And most of the time they're not expecting it.
0: Yeah, demonics are always interesting.
2: Yes. I just have another one that's my favorite.
1: I don't know the name of it, but there was this monster that we fought at, like, the start of a new campaign. And what it essentially was, was there was this mirror. And my character walked up to it and put his hand on it. His hand got cut and a little blood splashed on it blood that splashed on it, then shifted into the form of the players into the form of the player and was attacking the party.
2: I don't know what it was. I always forget what it's called, but it was so cool.
0: I've I've thought a few of those. I feel like they might be called Echoes,
2: but I could also be very, very wrong. I don't suppose either of you knows. I thought maybe that's like a doppelganger at little list. Maybe.
4: I was thinking maybe it's a, a type of homunculus.
2: Could be. That's it, that's it, that's it. Homunculus? It was a homunculus. Okay. Uh I'm actually I actually have an answer for this one. I' am unoriginal. I like vampires Because it is one of my favorite things
3: to do is to create power couples And the Briarwoods of critical role are one of my all-time favorite power couple villains. Plus, with vampires, you can use them as quest givers, and the players don't realize that they're working with one until it's too late. Hmm. So they make great reveal villains. I'll
4: keep that in mind if I ever play with you and you have some
2: vampire quest givers. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am then gonna ask this question here
3: What's your favorite feet? That's FE80.
0: There were so many possible jokes there till you clarified,
2: which is why I clarified.
4: Well, Grog's favorite would have to be Grog's feet. <laughs> leave it to the yeah, half of that can't spell
0: <laughs> um there are for me there are two of them that I really enjoy lucky always comes in useful
4: i have a love hate relationship with lucky
0: yeah as as a player i love lucky as a gm i would imagine hating it uh but my personal favorite is actually spell sniper Um, especially as somebody who has a tendency to play casters that extra range pretty much makes me untouchable simply by virtue of they can't
2: reach me I, I, I don't got one. I.
3: I. I'm actually a big fan of the lucky feat just because it's a great
2: way to cause trouble. But as a GM, I will also probably hate it. My favorite feat, I've mentioned Lucky.
4: I have a love-hate relationship with that one. My favorite one probably have to be the gunner feat for
2: the ranger. If only because you don't have disadvantage with ranged weapons at close range.
0: And for somebody who relies on ranged weapons, that's kind of
2: important. Mm Mm-hmm. uh Okay, I'm gonna ask this one. I initially planned not to, but i thought uh simply
3: i thought this would, i think this will uh for our current dm they'll have to probably use a uh slightly different character perhaps to avoid spoilers.
2: But what, uh, what's the inspiration behind your characters? Honestly, Patch is one I'm really curious about. What was the inspiration behind Patch? Yeah,
1: I'm going to be transparent with you. I did not have inspiration. For ba- Most of my characters, I have inspiration from characters I've liked in other medias. With Patch, I saw the wiki for a pumpkin, and I'm like, mm. oh, this could be fun. The closest thing I could say that was an inspiration for me was the voice actor Steve Blum's performance as the Green Goblin in Spectacular Spider-Man, Flash's performance as Starscream in Transformers Prime. That was the inspiration for his voice. Um the inspiration for his personality, I I think I pulled from like a bunch of things. I knew when I thought of him, I wanted him to be like a trickster, kind of like a a, a, a like Oh fuck, I remember what the inspiration was. Fuck. I pulled I thought of Patch. Before I saw this video, but when I saw this video, it made me think exactly how I wanted to do his personality. Whilst I was the making Patch, a, an anime, a YouTube animator by the name of Daria Cohen released the latest episode of her music video series Vampire. Based on the song, and that, this episode was based on the song Raised by Bats" <clears throat> by Voltaire. In that animatic, a vampire tell is thinking about, about how much he loves being a vampire, and how as a child, he really didn't have you know much to, his, much to him. They pushed him down constantly, and he ran away. And he got turned into a vampire. And now he's out here living his best life. That is where I got the idea of how I wanted to handle Patch's character. Where as a kid... He didn't have much love. No one cared about him. He was just a misunderstood kid. But then, as the lyric of the song goes, So I ran away to a sacred place and was taken in by creatures of the night. That lyric struck me in a way that not many other songs struck me when I was looking for inspiration for a character. Patch ran away to a sacred place, you know, being dead. And then was taken in by a creature of the night. Hmm. And then the song then goes on to sing. And then when the people all stop and stare and say, why you gotta be like that? I just look him in the eye and tell him I was raised by bats. That gave me the inspiration for his attitude towards when people ask him about stuff. Where it's like, why you gotta be like that? I'm just lucky, I guess. That song, the original song's meaning was uh, the singer Voltaire singing about, like, running away from his home in New Jersey to go to New York because he didn't have a happy home life. It kind of struck me that that could be Patch's thing.
2: And, like, through the years of me making him, I just built off of that.
1: That and I like pumpkin-headed characters, so it was kind of easy to like think of how I want where I want to take his character. Nice. God, I didn't realize how deep of an answer Patch's inspiration was.
0: Why <laughs> you you don't always know until you're there.
1: My um, last D and DOC was just based off of Alistair from Hasbun Hotel.
0: <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works. As long well, as you're, as as you're enjoying the, the answer, character, that's all that really matters.
1: While you're answering this, by the way, I'm going to be muted, but still have my headset on because I have to be You
2: can cut this part out, by the way. Okay. Um. um, When it comes to a character I've created
4: for a campaign we are about to do, actually. This is a a uh, little bit of a promotion plus this explanation. We are going to be doing a, another campaign coming up soon.
2: Get ready for it. Um, I have made a character for this campaign. And because of what he is, he has two personalities.
4: One of them is actually loosely based on Alistair from Hasman Hotel. So I kind of find that funny.
2: Oh, nice. And the other part of him is more based on Nimona, actually. From the Netflix from Nimona. movie Namona? Yeah, from Namona. Yeah.
4: I'm uh and essentially he's he's a rogue, so he has this second face, quote unquote. And that second face is Alistair, basically his Alistair personality.
2: And his real personality is more like Nimona. I think that's probably where that inspiration
4: comes from. You'll find out more when we actually start, uh, you know. Doing the live stream for it.
0: Yep, that one will be taking place online live when it starts up in the near future. Uh, we are just finalizing cast, uh, which
4: I may have found with the last
2: person
0: right, if not, I have somebody to introduce you to uh,
2: um, That being said, I think
0: I honestly don't know what the inspiration was for Bree um beyond that she's kind of the precursor to my higher level druid that I play in another campaign Um, and when I started playing Ava, who's the other character she really didn't have much to her, she didn't have a backstory she didn't have uh, really an idea of what her personality was going to be because I kind of jumped into the game last minute and just kind of appeared so we've been building her character and her personality as we go. Um, and she's a little more finalized, stabilized now and whatnot. But I, I think something a lot of my characters have in common is they tend to adopt people. Um, it's a really bad habit of mine. <laughs> Whether it's other PCs or NPCs, um, we just kind of take care of everybody. Uh, especially children.
2: ...always a good way to do that. Uh... Uh, let me see now. Uh... I think this is actually time for a good question from over here. Uh...
3: What questions should be asked between a DM and a and players before the start of a campaign?
1: Easy. First and foremost, ask what their triggers are.
2: Agreed.
0: Yes, definitely. Triggers are important. Um, the other thing is expectation. You know, is this a storytelling game? Is this a hack-and-slash game? Is this a puzzle? Um, because, like I said earlier, everybody's playing. Everybody should be having fun. And if you're a person like me who prefers puzzles and stories, and it's really just a dungeon crawl where you're constantly in combat, it's not really something I'm going to enjoy. So I need to know that before I even get involved.
1: Now the reason why I like how uh, Zane then did... Uh... His, like, announcement is ask for, like, players where it's like, this will be roleplay heavy, so I'm looking for players. It's like, it's what I'm looking for.
4: Yeah, when I posted the ad on Roll20, I mean, not on Roll20, on Reddit. Hey, this is going to be slightly roleplay heavy. I would like players interested in roleplay. And yet I still got players not interested in roleplay when it came to interviews.
2: The heck?
4: I also got people who were interested in being recorded.
0: But this Even is... though you
1: explicitly say, stated it in that original post. Yes.
0: I I think people don't actually read the headline. They just reply to you everything saying looking for players.
1: As long as it
4: says free.
0: Yeah. <clears> throat> Which throat> that throat> I can understand. Um this whole recent thing of paying GMs to run games baffles me especially as an older player and an old school player. You know, that's not something we ever... Or
4: the DM's did. payment was maybe a pizza where everyone got to eat while they were playing during break.
0: Yeah, like, DM runs the game. Uh, somebody else hosts, somebody brings drinks, somebody brings snacks.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, all right. How so many of those... Uh, sorry, You go ahead. You go. you go first. Sorry.
3: I'm sorry, uh, I am volunteering to run uh, for a local board game cafe
2: and they're giving me a hot meal and a drink uh, which is all I would
3: ask for if in that regard is can I get some free food
2: as a GM Mm
0: -hmm. and I mean if you're working if you're doing this specifically for an establishment that serves fair. That is more than reasonable.
4: Okay, back to the question. I think a good question for a GM to ask their players, or for players to ask their GM is... Well, this one's for the DM to ask their players. Is there anything specific you want your character to do in this campaign?
1: Oh, that's always a good question. It's a good yeah. question, Ed.
3: I would argue that an honest answer is, I don't
1: know.
0: And that is reasonable.
3: Cool. That yeah. is very reasonable. Just so that people out there listening to this don't feel like, oh god, now I've got to think about it. If you just want to play a game, but you haven't thought of what you want as a character,
4: You could not have to answer right away. You can answer halfway
3: through the campaign. Oh,
4: you know what? I think I want my character to do this after I've played him a little bit. I understand how he's thinking. Maybe this would be a good way to take it. Or take her, or take them.
1: I'm going to give an okay. example on that to make uh, players who are still nervous feel a little better. My, 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 my fucking high elf barbarian scruffy bitch, Z. I didn't know where I wanted to take her. I just knew she's based off a of Nosuke from T- Demon Slayer. Guess it. And it's like, I played her as that. I played her as like a loud, abrasive dummy. But then I like thought about more. The artist who drew her gave her a scar in her chest. I was like, okay, how would she actually get that scar? I was vague as hell about it when someone asked. Hmm. And it's like, the moment you start getting connected to the characters and start thinking, huh. Why are? Why did they? Why would they do this thing that I just randomly did? That's when you start to piece together where you would want to take your character. And I that didn't happen for me until midway through the campaign when I asked, "Why does she have this scar?" So you can you cannot answer that question at all. <clears throat> all. You'll just come across it naturally. Just let it happen. Let it happen, dogs. Like, it'll just happen. The moment you ask yourself a question, like, it could be something totally random you did in one session. It's like, okay, but why would they flip off a royal? Or why would they want to trip this old person? Or why would they growl at someone with that kind of voice? Questions like that, when you start answering those questions based on something random you did, did just for a funny, that's when you'll start piecing it together. And it could never happen. Or it could happen. But when it does, just ease into it. You don't have to force yourself. Just let it happen.
0: Uh, I, I think another really good answer to that question I've heard is, I don't know what I want the character to do. I'm looking to learn the game and find out what it is about the game that I'm going to enjoy. Coming into yes. this as new players, you're not going to know what you're looking for or looking at. Or you may, wanna, you may think that, oh, I'm going to enjoy killing monsters, or I'm going <coughs> to enjoy doing this or that. And you may find that that is the thing that you hate the most about the game. But there's this other thing that you really enjoy doing.
2: And that's okay. Yeah. Uh as an example
3: that I know of with regards to uh just parking a little bit earlier back to what Riveda said, uh I know for a fact that uh well I've heard reported that uh referring to critical role, uh Jaffe. uh apparently when he created his Season 2 character, uh, Mollywalk, might have spoilers ahead for the character in Season 2, he
2: said to uh, Matt Mercer, I'm a purple tiefling, I woke up in a ditch, I've got no memory. That was literally it. And that's it. There were great plans put in place.
3: And we had a wonderful campaign as a result. So it is entirely fair that you go, I don't have an idea. Because the story will discover it. And as Amber said, if you are a
2: new player, you'll figure out what you like. But on the note of characters, actually. Uh, we've been talking about characters that we've enjoyed
3: and whatnot, but... Was there ever a time where you had to retire a character because you
2: were having, no longer having fun with the character, or just wanted to try something new? I've never had to retire a character.
0: Uh, similar vein, not so much character, but class. I refuse to play Cleric anymore. Because I've been shoehorned into that role as the veteran player for newbie groups so many times that it's just no longer fun for me.
4: So instead you choose Circle of Stars druid and heal more than the cleric ever could.
0: And do more damage!
4: (laughs) Druid's the new cleric.
0: (laughs) Right? The difference is I am not up in the front taunting. I am in the back, dropping moonbeam on its ass and a totem next to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, freako, you have saved us so many, so many times with that (laughs) moonbeam.
4: And when a DM is gullible enough to give you the moon sickle,
0: I—it's not even a huge thing. It's just an extra D four of healing.
4: That D four goes a long way,
0: especially at these levels. As we get mm-hmm. higher, it's not going to do so much. That's
4: why you start wielding two moon sickles.
0: No, that's <laughs> where Circle of Stars comes in. Uh, after level eight, Circle of Stars no longer does 1d8 extra healing, it does two.
4: Holy. <laughs> what level did you say?
0: I think it's eight. eight but... Don't quote me on that. I need to find my
4: book. Okay, because I'll let you in on this. I'm thinking of running this campaign to level
2: ten. That's a I am in mean, it for the long haul. So. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could be dying in the
1: hospital and I'd still show up for this co- campaign. I'm having fun.
0: It it Wait, is a so- blast, both because I- of. The GM and the players. Yeah.
4: It's, it's really, actually good chemistry for people who never knew each other before this campaign. And for the exception of you two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I am having so much fun building chemistry with Leah, uh, with you, Cameron. It's not even funny.
3: Yeah. We're going to be the chaotic duo of the group.
0: That it's
1: is... all the rogue and the bard, isn't it?
3: Yep.
0: Isn't it? It is. Um, I, I will say this: Re absolutely adores Patch. <laughs> oh,
2: thank you.
4: I think all the players either grudgingly respect or adore Patch. Because <laughs> <And it's contagious. laughs> we bo- we all know Q respects Patch. We y'all adore him. I'm pretty sure Alexandria is is actually more indifferent with him. And karma, there is some respect there. At least that's the vibes I'm picking up off y'all's characters when it comes to
0: I'm sitting here looking for my Tasha so I can get the answer to that question that's sitting <laughs> under my laptop and right in front of me.
1: Oops.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad
1: you guys uh, like to play, play, play off of Tash. That. that makes me really happy. I spent like two years making him, so it makes me really happy people seem to like interacting with him.
3: Yeah. Okay. Uh I will yeah. say for me uh I have had one character I've retired
2: in basically all the games I've played. Uh which wasn't even DD, it was Delta Green. And then I
3: made him the freaking G Man of all my Delta
2: Green games.
3: Uh sooner or later he will be popping up again. Uh, for a Delta Green
2: one-shot. Yeah, I'm... My... Uh... I've retired a single character.
4: Story reasons, he was missing his family and he didn't want to be out of venture anymore because he felt like he's missed enough of his family's life.
2: The real reason is I got bored of playing a dwarf cleric. Don't get me wrong. It could be overpowered, but it isn't fun for
4: me. <clears throat> I will never play a cleric again. Unless it's like a newbie group and they need a, someone to teach them. Hey, you need a healer in the party.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: after hey, if having, having a healer, run... y'all need to be. Y'all all need to be fucking tanky. Yeah. Also, You're- Go
0: ahead, go ahead. Word of what advice to new players don't run away from the healer.
2: <laughs> My last want to campaign, to hear, we had no you healers.
0: <laughs> yep, I, I give them one morning if they run away from the healer a second time. Well, your death is on your own head because I am not chasing you.
1: Look, when the person who bestows me heals in the middle of combat tells me to stay in the position I'm in, I'm gonna stay in the fucking position I'm in.
2: Or at least
0: within a given range.
2: <laughs> 60 feet's a good range to stay within the healer.
0: Yep. Until I get yep. Spellstopper. Then it's not gonna matter.
2: So this That's is interesting. an int- so. go on. But you say this, our we will go to the next
3: question.
4: Okay. So Amber, that's when the GM starts doing multi-room battle maps.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so.
3: Uh, so here's a good question: When do you draw the line when it comes to how brutal an
2: encounter is? How much detail is too much detail?
0: I think that depends on the chemistry of the
2: group. And the encounter in question. And how well certain
1: players can handle gore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know. I, as a player, have no problem at all (laughs) with gore. But I've also had players that can't handle graphic descriptions of gore, or in some cases, torture. Um, so you, you tailor
2: it to each group. Um, and that goes for the GM, too. If there's something that's a trigger for you, gloss over. it.
1: Like, I can handle, like, a tremendous amount of gore. Like, if I'm going, oh, oh, oh my god, oh my god, I'm not triggered. I'm just like,
2: holy shit. Because I like artistic gore. Is that why you muted up episode one after your intro? Actually, no. Uh, the only, only the only one that really had any gore was Lia's.
1: Yeah, I, I was still like, you know, gaining, st- trying to gain my footing, playing as the character. Yeah. If I were to do session one differently, I would have like. I would have been like I would have actually described him like tearing open the bodies and burning down the people Hmm.
0: maybe one of these days we should do one-offs with everybody's backstory like a different episode for every person that would be fun
2: that would be but scheduling would be a pain there is that it's already a pain to schedule well normally.
4: Uh, We're actually having our first one shot this
2: Tuesday because one of our players can't make it That's okay. Uh, They're bound to happen, yeah, yeah. but the fact that we've been consistent this much five
4: weeks in a row, I was surprised,
0: and we especially the... with the group like this, where almost yeah. all of us came into it for the first session not knowing each other.
4: Yeah, and one player being Australia and the other in England. It's like, holy shit.
2: how
0: yeah. do we
2: do <laughs>
3: uh, I will say for me personally, when it comes to gore, I go... I do, like, 90s TV shows.
2: Levels of that's
3: gore. Black. Yeah, like I will not show torture scenes or it or stuff like that. If there is blood, it will be spilled because someone got cut. Ah, uh, so you know when when the major character falls and you see blood dripping out the corner of their mouth.
2: That's as far as I will go generally. And if somebody's like, "Can we not do that?" Cool, no problem.
4: For me, I try not to describe torture scenes because that does make me uncomfortable describing (laughs) them. But I have no problem describing the aftermath of a torture scene because I don't feel comfortable role playing as a sadistic monster like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, hey, Cam, before you ask the next question, I have a question for all you all
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, Go right ahead. Okay. So, even if you don't know the actor's name, you could say, like, the character's voice that you would hear in your head for this character. Um, if you could get a voice actor to play your character in, like, a certain type of media like, in a hypothetical where these characters got a, like, TV show or something, which actor slash voice actor would you want? Like, who's the closest voice in your head when you think of this character talking? Hmm. You can even say yourself if you would want. This particular character? Any of your characters. Characters, really. But if you want to go for, like, the session-specific, pick. Go, go for it. I think just to
3: give her a break from being the bad person, Maggie Robertson.
4: <laughs> I think uh, the, uh, the character I'm making for the live show, he technically has two faces, so the public face he would show everybody, I think that voice would probably be...
2: I just had it. Oh, yeah. He would be Black Griffin. And, uh,
4: I think the voice he'd probably keep to himself would probably be more,
2: like, RDJ. From, like, Sherlock Holmes. Cool.
1: Gotta say, that's Um, good casting, especially since Black Griffin was Alistair's singing voice in the pilot. mm
0: Mm-hmm. I I think, for me, um, my main Delta Green character would, surprisingly enough, be Reese Witherspoon, a la Legally Blonde, with just a touch of Southern in her.
4: Bravo. Love the casting there. I have no idea who the character is, but I love the
1: casting. <laughs> I, I love the casting. I I know who she's talking about. That That is really good casting.
0: And for for the type of characters I play, like, Reese Witherspoon is perfect.
1: You do play a lot of Reese Witherspoon-esque characters, and that is a compliment, by the way.
0: Thank you very much. The absolutely sweet, adoptable, you know, I will take care of everybody (coughs) until you piss me off and then you're fucked. That's where the Chicago priest when boot comes out. <laughs> yes, yep,
1: it does. Um, for me, I, I already said who, who Patch's inspo voice was, so it's kind of obvious I'd go for uh, Steve Blum of uh, Cowboy Bebop fame for Patch. Because he has the exact voice I hear. The rasp, the deepness, the maniacalness. I
4: honestly uh, thought you were going to say Heath Ledger's Joker.
2: If I'm going to get any Joker voice actor to voice Patch, I'm going to get Mark Hamill.
4: That's a really good one too.
1: Mark Hamill could also work. <laughs> um. So instead, I'm going to go for another one of my characters. Since, uh, yeah, but it's obvious who I get for Patch. Um, my chaotic evil scientist. Uh. Calvin. He had a very high range, uh, sounds like he's always laughing type voice.
2: So if I had to get anyone, I'd probably get. Honestly, from your script description, he kind of sounds like that guy who plays Lucifer. In the TV show with uh, Trisha Heffler? Yes. Tom Ellis.
1: If I, I heard his thinking... voice, I'd probably agree with you, but uh, what about you, Cam?
2: I was actually thinking of uh, Jack Black, genuinely. Maybe, but Jack Black, I would I would have to hear Jack Black giving his last attempt at a British accent. Ooh. How about Cillian Murphy? That would be good. Timothy's full, was... maybe. Who do you hear is the voice for Laya? Uh, Maggie Robertson.
0: Right, right. Yeah, uh,
2: okay,
0: the lady maybe.
3: who voices. The lady who voices Lady Dimitrescu in Resident Evil Eight and Arin the Red in Baldur's Gate Three, which is why I said i would finally give her a chance to be a uh, uh, a heroic character, even though technically speaking, Liar is lawful neutral, and lawful evil. I
1: I, I know Lady Dimitrescu's voice, her voice Maggie Robinson's natural speaking voice isn't Lady D, but but the thought. Of Leia, with that voice, the specific Lady Demetrisque voice, is
2: slaughtering me a bit. I wonder if Bards could get the enlarged spell.
3: Which for Leia would just make her regular height. Uh...
2: We'll just make you stilts.
3: Or you could
4: uh, just uh, have Alexandria call, cast Wild Magic near you, and you might grow three feet as well. But
1: that's double that short. What if it shrinks, Leia?
3: <laughs> shrinks her by four foot. She's now one foot tall. No, no she would be seven inches tall. <laughs> uh,
0: Maybe it's better if we don't risk that.
4: I still find it funny that Patch is no longer the tallest in the party.
2: <laughs> right. Because Alexandria is over eight foot tall. Okay, we are coming close to the end now.
3: Oh, in a God,
2: previous Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh in a previous uh
3: in a previous one of these, I asked Amber this question. But I'm going to ask you two, uh, Zane and Invader, why
2: does the alchemy jug produce two gallons of mayonnaise as one of its options? Hmm. Do you want the real reason or the funny reason? I want your
3: reason.
4: My reason? Okay, the funny reason it is. Because mayonnaise is the only condiment invented in the d d universe. They tasted it and was like, there is nothing better. This has to be it. There cannot be anything after this.
0: Dear God, he's right. <laughs> what were the people, what were the D&D universe
1: people All just all white people who like mayonnaise?
4: It's the Japanese mayo, though. It's the good shit.
1: Oh shit, it's Cupie mayo? Why didn't you say anything sooner?
4: At least in my head, it is. So,
1: you know, I make fun of white people for liking mayonnaise, but I put mayonnaise on fucking everything.
4: I've actually not eaten mayonnaise in years.
1: I even put mayonnaise on
2: my hot dogs. You're. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I see that advertised. I avoided that.
4: You're from the colonies. I remembered that. Yeah, that's, that's disgusting.
2: It just makes it a queamy dog.
4: I'm closer to Chicago than you are, but I think that's disgusting.
2: <laughs> I mean, we eat some weird shit out here, but... Uh... Mayonnaise on processed meat? That's disgusting. Like
4: I eat like that. mayonnaise on meat. hamburgers.
0: But the uh, well, hot dog is I will pass.
4: I could kind of see it on hamburgers, yeah.
0: It's actually really good. Yeah, yeah it is
4: actually. A, I just prefer to do a yolky egg on it. Like
3: a, oh that's a fried that's egg.
2: Cool. Yeah.
3: Chicken bacon mayo uh, sandwich is good.
1: Yeah. Chicken bacon ranch pizza is one of my favorites.
4: My favorite pizza would probably have to be a chicken bacon jalapeno pizza.
0: Ooh. No, chicken bacon ranch with jalapenos. (coughs) And a little bit of tomato. Chicken
4: chicken bacon jalapeno with a barbecue sauce.
0: Unfortunately, I have this thing where I'm definitely allergic to soybean, and most barbecue sauces have soybean in them. So, Damn.
2: How do we get the pizza?
1: We asked about mayonnaise.
2: <laughs> we are not putting mayonnaise
3: on pizza. It's
1: we are not that belcher.
3: on pizza.
1: I mean, I once put mayonnaise on pizza.
4: Um, I really don't. One, hope one it was an And two, I could tell you all about an actually really good pizza combination you'd never expect.
2: What? Okay.
4: A peanut butter and jelly pizza. Oh, I mean. God.
0: Assuming there's nothing else on it, I can totally say that.
4: Maybe some fruit, but
0: actually, I can see the peanut butter and jelly working
1: with the cheese. Because no, the, no cheese is salty.
4: There's no cheese. It's just peanut butter and jelly and maybe some fruit.
0: Peanut butter oh, and jelly, some, awesome some apples, and some chocolate sauce. Mm. That's, that's and you
4: dust good. the apples with, with cinnamon.
3: With just the base, with just the So no tomato, no cheese? Correct. You're just making a... You're just making a pancake! (laughs) You're making a crispy pancake with fucking peanut butter and jelly!
4: And how about this? They use white chocolate as cheese.
2: And the chocolate sauce is the uh, sauce. Mm Mm-mm-mm. I Maybe a little light drizzle of diabetes. caramel, and it's crunchy peanut butter. You know, I, be I, really I'm really to so creamy, but you know, I mean, this is reminded me of, of that sandwich that killed Elvis. Food,
4: so it actually is pretty good.
0: The sandwich It'll did be. not kill Elvis, and also, nutter butters are amazing.
4: Yes, they are. They're the best yeah, snack right out are. there.
1: Actually, cosmic brownies are the best snack out there. I will fight people on this.
4: No, there's none better, and you can quote me on that.
0: Why are we not eating chocolate cupcakes, people?
2: Because I'm not a big fan of chocolate.
1: What is I like- wrong with you? I like chocolate, but like cupcakes are like not the go-to thing when is I go to Target can and buy
4: something. Really sweet things. My palate cannot handle uh, really sweet things. Ah, that's fair. I can barely handle red velvet cake. Ew!
2: Oh, Ew. Red velvet the cake. Cake's the best cake in the world.
4: Yes, it is. I had it for my birthday.
2: A I actually stand red velvet. It was
4: fucking, my birthday cake was 15 inches by like nine inches by like four inches.
0: Damn did Speaking you know what a
2: makes
0: red belated bread happy birthday bread. to our penmeister
4: yeah happy
2: birthday
4: grazi, grazie grazie grazi. it's been nine days I think now
2: well it'll be longer than that before our fans hear
0: it but still <laughs> so on that note now that we have devolved into making ourselves hungry
1: <laughs> one last thing I once had this really good thing, speaking of food, this old lady that used to live nearby made this delicious salad using cucumbers, watermelon, and feta cheese. Yes. And a little mm. bit of, of, of salad, if you want.
0: And a touch was, of balsamic vinaigrette. Just a touch. Yes.
2: It was
1: the best thing I ever ate in my life. I damn near cleaned the whole plate before anyone else could get any of it. My mom was like, "Like, In, invader, invader, stop! You, I let everyone else have a piece." It's like, fine.
0: Okay, I, I well. will. I will have to send you guys a batch of my peanut butter chocolate chip cookies, as well as, mm-hmm. if you like it, a batch of my banana bread.
1: Send the banana bread, please. Love banana
0: bread. If you do that, I I'll bacon. send you.
1: I'll send you a batch of my mother's homemade uh, cheesecake brownies.
0: Oof, can, it's a deal.
4: If I can, if I can I'll you I'll send you one of my homemade pumpkin pies.
0: I I think we have a trade-in session. I next time Cam oh. is out this way, I will get him to help me bake so he is involved.
1: Or I'll I'll make you some of my, my mom and me's favorite oatmeal raisin cookies.
2: It has been a while since I've had a good oatmeal raisin. (laughs) But before we devolve any further, um, any last notes for our session? Beef tongue quesadillas are better than they seem. They are amazing. Um.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. As usual, this has been the crew of of Dice and Pen, and we will see you in Varan.
2: Ciao.